Hello, Belfres. Good to have you all here, as well as those of you at the 11 o'clock and our high and our middle school students, folks home and online. Thanks for watching us. Father, change us to be more like your son, Jesus. Help us to live out that love which comes from you and you alone. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Now, something cool that you might not know about me is that growing up, my parents were shop owners. We lived in South Dallas. That's in the country of Texas. And my parents owned and operated a wig shop. Our, our shop was actually called Wig Paradise. And it was a paradise. We had thousands of wigs and hundreds of wig heads scattered throughout the shop. I grew up selling wigs. We sold hair products. We sold hair extensions. We even had a small assortment of men's hair. At one point, I could just look at the color of your hair and identify your color number and find you a matching wig. I even gave my wife a new look and a new do. Now, blonde goes well, doesn't it? I did, I did get a photo release clause signed from her to show you this today. Now, you could say I'm a man of many talents. I'm global pastor slash hair specialist. Now, it's just one thing I haven't figured out, though, is how to stop losing my hair. There's a reason why I keep my hair angled this way. It's optimized for long-lasting hair growth. Now, if you have any hair needs, you can come by my office and I'll take care of you. Now, I'll never forget the night my dad woke me up. I was probably 12. It must have been in the middle of the night. He told me someone broke into the shop and we had to go. We drive over and get to Wig Paradise and the front of the store was completely missing. The door and our store window had been smashed and the bars that lined the front had been pulled out. You see, most of the shops in the neighborhood had bars lining the windows and doors to protect anyone from breaking the glass and just coming in to stealing the merchandise. Well, the police told us that someone had broken the glass, attached chains to the bars from a car, and then pulled out the bars completely. Luckily, not much was taken from what we saw, but there was glass everywhere, and the front of the shop was completely gone. It was a mess. Now, my dad gave me a broom and dustpan and told me to clean up the glass. Due to the break-in, the lights were damaged, and I was trying to clean up in complete darkness. And after what seemed like forever, I totally lost track of time. I was so focused on cleaning, when I finally looked around, I realized I was completely alone. I walked around the shop looking for my dad. He was nowhere to be found. I looked outside the shop and realized his car was gone. He left me. And I was in a creepy wig shop in the middle of the night all alone. And at that moment, fear gripped me. The wig heads were beginning to talk to me. And at the end, the front of the shop was completely gone. And then the flood of thoughts came running in. I'm completely unprotected. And anyone can just come into the shop and take whatever they want. They can even take the heads with the wigs on them. And heck, they might as well take me too. I thought, what if I get kidnapped and held for ransom? I mean, I knew my dad would just say, I can make another kid so you can keep him. 
I mean, every crazy thought you could think of at the age of 12, I thought of. I was completely alone. Have you ever felt completely alone? I mean, we all do. We could feel alone in good times as well as bad. We could feel alone when we succeed, when we get that raise or that job promotion, or even when we hit that grade A, or when we're rejected by the people we love, when we fail at school or at work, crisis like when we lose a loved one, or when a spouse decides to call it quits and wants a divorce. When we don't live up to our own expectations or the expectations of others. When we struggle with our own self-worth and with our own identity, we feel alone. When the pressures of life seem like a crushing weight. Depression, anxiety, addiction, all of it can manifest itself when we feel isolated and alone. God will seem far away in times of fear uncertainty, and doubt. Today we're going to look at the Gospel of Luke and introduce Cleopas, not a familiar character that we hear from the different personalities of the Gospel accounts, but an extraordinary person. Cleopas, we will see, is like us. He had his world come crashing down and felt utterly alone. The story picks up in Luke 24 with two travelers, one named Cleopas. Now, what's interesting about Cleopas is that you don't see him anywhere else in the New Testament. For those of you who like textual studies, Cleopas is what we call a hypox legomena, which is Greek, which means a word that only occurs once in its context. Oddly, the other traveler is not even named. Some have guessed that it was a relative of Cleopas, maybe a brother or a sister, maybe even his wife. We're just not sure. So who is Cleopas and his companion? Well, from the clues of the text, Cleopas and his companions seemed to be followers and disciples of Jesus. They knew that Jesus was a prophet who was powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They must have been completely devoted to Jesus, who was their teacher and rabbi. They even said they hoped that Jesus was the Messiah who was going to redeem Israel. Cleopas and the disciple were excited to be a part of the kingdom of God, and that Jesus as their Messiah King would establish his kingdom in place of the Roman occupation of their own country. Well, where are they going? Well, the text says they left Jerusalem and they were on the road to to Emmaus, which was about seven miles away. We do not have a lot of information about Emmaus. Some scholars believe it is today a small Palestinian village called Al-Qubeba. Now, as they were walking and talking about the events that had happened, guess who shows up? The resurrected Jesus came up and walked alongside with them. Wow! But they were kept from recognizing who he was. It's important to note that Jesus hid himself from them even when they were in pain. When Jesus asked them what they were talking about, they stood still with their faces downcast, which means sad, and to abandon all hope. Most likely, Cleopas was on the run. He might have been one of the disciples, but after seeing Jesus being crucified as a criminal, he didn't want to be associated with the criminal and have that same fate. And even after hearing eyewitness reports of Jesus' body disappearing from the tomb and hearing 
that the supernatural angels came and told the women that Jesus was alive, Cleopas and the unnamed disciple still did not want to stick around to find out if the rabbi was still alive. You would think they would stick around, right? No. They feared for their lives. And they did not want to end up like Jesus, so they ran. Fear has a way of paralyzing us, even if you've heard and experienced the nudges of God's love and truth. Fear blinds us from the fact that God is always there, even when we run from Him. Does it mean that God doesn't love us? No. Does it mean that we're a failure at being a follower of Jesus? No. The fact that Jesus walked with them as they were running away speaks volumes. We don't always know where people are in their journey with Jesus. Some are running away from him. Some are struggling to accept him. Some are angry at him while others are indifferent. But we can respond by being present with people. Present is having the presence of being with others without motive or perspective. Since we cannot know a person's motives, where they are, what problems they might be going through, so be present in the lives of others. Stop judging or criticizing others and start being present. That means being with them, going out with them, getting to know them, eating with them, and being a good listener. Praying for them. Your homework this week, church, is to be present in someone's life. I believe Luke puts this story here in his gospel to remind us that Christ is the Messiah. Not for the Jews, but for the Gentiles as well. Jesus is here for the others. Luke's gospel is different from the other synoptic gospels. In that his focuses on Jesus' love to those on the fringes of society, to women, to those in poverty, to the outcasts, and even runaway disciples. Luke reminds us that Jesus walks with us no matter what we're going through. I was alone in wig paradise with about a thousand headwigs, not knowing what was going to happen to me. I wondered if my dad had gotten taken and his car stolen. I don't know who would have wanted to take my dad, but I didn't know what to think. So I sat there next to the cash register thinking that if anything happens, I'm not going to allow anyone to steal the cash register. So sometime in the middle of the night, I reached over, wrapped my arms around it like it was a pillow. Hours passed and I was dozing off and on, shocked awake whenever I heard noises, then dozed off again. The next thing I knew, my dad was talking to me. He poked at me, poked me awake. And he asked, why are you hugging the cash register? I told him, I tiredly told him, I didn't want anyone to steal the money. And he laughed. There's no money inside. We clear it every night. And I looked at him too tired to laugh at myself and said, Dad, where have you been? I've been alone. Well, he said, I had to make preparations to fix the store. It was six in the morning. And within several hours after we got to the shop, he had brought and put together plywood and iron bars so that we could begin the repairs. He told me he had come several times dropping off the material. And then I noticed mom. She was cleaning the glass. And dad told me that while I was dozing off, mom came and cleaned the entire time. It was completely dark. And even though I thought I was by myself, I wasn't. 
Mom was with me the entire time, and I didn't even know it. God can hide himself when you experience difficult times, but hidden does not mean leave. God might be hidden, but he never will never, ever leave you. That's his promise. I love Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 6. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and terrified because of them. For the Lord your God, he goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, as Jesus was walking along with Cleopas, the other disciple, he asked him, what are you both talking about? So Cleopas looked stunned and said to Jesus, where have you been? Do you live under a rock? Check your social media accounts, man. Have you not seen your Snapchat stories about the news of Jesus being crucified? You like my translation, huh? That's yeah, a good one. Now, after hearing the account of what happened, Jesus rebukes the disciples and tells them that the Messiah that they were looking for, for that they were looking for was talked about and throughout all the scriptures, all of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Through the five major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, and Daniel. And then the 12 minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. All of Moses' writings and all of the prophets point that Jesus of Nazareth is the suffering Messiah. Jesus took time with them to teach them the Bible. I think it's important to stop here. I love this quote by Tim Keller. If Jesus didn't think he could live life well without knowing the scriptures inside and out, why would we? We've become a generation of 140 character limit tweets, a generation of swiping images, a generation that feeds off the likes of the masses. And with all the life and love God gives us, is this the full extent to our design? I believe when Jesus taught the scriptures, which was more than the miracles he accomplished, more than the healings, more than the supernatural, we lost that somewhere along the journey. We've become a generation that doesn't listen to the complete gospel of Jesus and sees his imprint throughout all of the Bible. Now, an essential doctrine of the Christian faith is the belief that the Bible is the, is the inspired word of God. God breathed. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. We know that the Bible is a compilation of 66 books and letters written by more than 40 authors over a period of 1,500 years in three different languages. So how can we say that it is God-breathed? I love Ron Rhodes' explanation in his book, Bite-Sized Bible Answers. He says, God superintended the human authors so that they composed and recorded his revelation without error. But they used their own individual personalities and even their own unique writing styles. In other words, the Holy Spirit permitted the authors to exercise their own personalities and literary talents even though they wrote under his control and guidance. The result is a perfect and errorless recording of the exact message God desired to give 
to humankind. Now, it's also important to note that the doctrine of the inspiration of scriptures applies solely to the original handwritten manuscripts. These documents are called autographs, as they were penned by actual human authors. While Bible translators throughout history have worked diligently to maintain accuracy and complete integrity in their interpretations, conservative scholars are careful to assert that only the original autographs are inspired and without error, and only faithfully and correctly interpreted copies and translations of the Bible are considered reliable. Now, but imagine being Cleopas and having Jesus himself walk alongside you to teach you a Bible study. You know what the secret to being able to go through the valleys and through the difficult paths of life It is to know the full knowledge of the gospel of Jesus. That is in its entirety, the whole scriptures, from Genesis through Revelation. This fall here at Belprez, we have numerous opportunities for you to learn the scriptures and be in discipleship with Christ and with one another. This fall, there will be a 10-week, one-hour Bible overview on Sundays. This fall, you can take Perspectives on the World Christian Movement, which is a 15-week discipleship class designed around biblical, historical, cultural, and strategic aspects of God's global purposes. We have a Bible study starting in September focusing on race, on fighting racism. This fall, we have Shine Women, a six-week course, Sunday mornings, that brings together a community of women working to develop an understanding of their own personal worth, strength, and purpose. There are ways that you can learn more about the Bible. And my challenge to you today, church, is that this fall that you would make time, you would put in your energy, and you would commit to engaging the Holy Scriptures. I love the end of the story. Cleopas and his companions arrive to Emmaus, and they invite Jesus to stay the evening. And as they share a meal together, Jesus gave thanks, broke the bread, and immediately Cleopas and the other disciple recognized the resurrected Jesus. And as soon as they recognize the resurrected Jesus, what happens? Jesus disappears. I love their response. They say, were not our hearts burning within us while he opened the scriptures to us? From the beginning of their journey from Jerusalem, Cleopas and the other disciples were broken vessels. Cleopas was a man without hope, but something transformed him on the road to Emmaus. His heart turned from fear to fire. As Jesus opened the scriptures to them, the gospel transformed their hearts. Jesus spoke that the Messiah had to suffer, die for the sins of mankind. But in doing so, he redeemed us. Redemption came from the blood that he shed and restoration, forgiveness of sin, a complete wholeness was given because of faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. They met the resurrected Christ. I was with the resurrected Christ when I was 13 at a youth retreat. When I recognized my pride and selfishness and my brokenness before God. I was with the resurrected Christ when I was in a car accident while driving to college. And somehow while the car was completely totaled, I was not even touched. I was with the resurrected Christ when my wife and I struggled early on in our marriage. And we almost threw in the towel. 
I was with the resurrected Christ when our youngest child was diagnosed with a hole in her heart and surgery was being considered. I was with the resurrected Christ when my wife and I planted a church. We didn't have money, enough money to pay our bills, and we received an anonymous check. I was with the resurrected Christ when my wife and I lost our baby during the eighth week of of pregnancy. I was with the resurrected Christ when my mom struggled with cancer for five painful years before passing away. Have you met the resurrected Christ? There's a Japanese ceramic repair technique that shows us to embrace our scars. It's called kintsugi. Now, kintsugi inscribes an object's story into its body. The moment of the breakage, the fact that it was loved enough to be repaired, that it is likely to be handled with care in the future. All of this is written into the veins of gold and lacquer for those who care to look. This Japanese art that repairs broken pottery and ceramic ware with gold-infused adhesive is absolutely beautiful. Rather than hiding the cracks and breaks, Kintsugi finds beauty in brokenness. What a wonderful metaphor for how we can pursue healing and restoration. Jesus carries his scars into eternity. So can we. Jesus Thank you for the promise of never leaving us and forsaking us. Help us to carry our scars as you did and love without reserve. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.